What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. On today's show, we're joined by Joshua Dedman with Cooperation Jackson, who's involved in coordinating emergency water response for residents. Water is life. Water brings about life. And to not have that, and I know that there's this immediate politicized crisis, but this crisis has been known by the state for years. This is not this is not new. It doesn't a water treatment system doesn't go <laughs> ill-equipped and inept overnight. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. Almost 200,000 nearly all black residents have been with undrinkable water for months and no running water since August 29th. Rising floodwaters breached the city's main water treatment facility and brought it to the brink of collapse. To discuss, we are joined by Joshua Dedman with Cooperation Jackson, who is involved in coordinating emergency water response for residents. Good morning, Joshua. Good morning. How are you all doing? We're doing all right. More importantly, how are you? And can you walk us through what it looks like on the ground in Jackson, Mississippi for folks right now? Great. I appreciate you all for for having Cooperation Jackson on and what it looks like on the ground here in Jackson is um, proving the resiliency of of black people in Jackson. Um, Since um, last week, the floodwaters rise. Um, There was a crest of the Pearl River. Folks have suffered some flood damage, but proving to a a more disastrous end um, is the fact that the OB Curtis Water Treatment Facility, um, located in the Interstate 55 corridor of Jackson, that serves the nearly 200,000 people um, within Jackson, um, was deemed um, insufficient at best. Um, with um, not able to um, receive the floodwaters um, and adequately treat it. Um, and so once that onset, um, there was a depletion of water pressure for folks in their homes. Um, and so people um, are doing the best that they can. Um, recently, there has been a reestablishment of that water pressure, but still without the facility being able to meet the capacity of water that has been pumped in to adequately clean it. So people are still without adequate drinking water and adequate potable water. Um, And so it is also um, um, really important to note that this is the onset of climate disaster as well as the the onset of racial capitalism that um, really predicates and determines the lack of resource that comes into a city. This is intentional privation from the state of Mississippi um, because... Uh, Joshua, I want to I want to get I want to get into all of that in a minute, but I want to I want to um, I want to paint a, a little bit more of a picture for my listeners. Well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about mm-hmm. uh, what my brother Terha Ak calls the Haiti move, right? And and uh-huh. what it means uh, when when the state reacts to the the potential of, of radical blackness uh, in, in parts of this country. You, but you talked about 
um, right, still don't have adequate drinking water. So there's there's pressure, but that's different than quality. And I, as I was mm -hmm. preparing for this segment, I read, um, you know, about one brother, a, a, an elder, a senior, um, who, who talked about, you know, for, for months now, every tap he turns on is brown water. Um, his drinking water, his bath water. So I, I really want folks to understand when you say, you know, not drinkable water, what does that mean, A? And then B, what are the things that people are having to do in order to cook for their families, to flush the toilet, to take a shower? What is that experience like for black folks, um, many of them at or below the poverty line in Jackson, Mississippi? Yeah, that simply means for the, the first portion for A, that, you know, people are not having um, safe drinking water. Um, people are not having water to, to brush their teeth, to shower, to bathe. Um, there have been numerous assisted care homes and nursing homes that have been without potable water, which means without potable water, you cannot flush the toilets. You cannot bathe those who are in need in that moment. It affects the entire economy. Water is life. <laughs> um, water, water brings about life, and to not have that is is you know disastrous. There have been people within the city of Jackson in the South Jackson corridor that have had have not had water for weeks and I know that there's this immediate politicized crisis but this crisis has been known by the state for years this is not this is not new it doesn't a water treatment system doesn't go <laughs> ill-equipped and inept overnight yeah and so walk us through and this is where I think you were you were going right uh, walk us through the neglect of the state in terms of how uh, we, we got here uh, what resources have been denied to, to Jackson, Mississippi? Um, and, and how does, uh, specifically redlining, right, how the impact of redlining black people in a certain parts of cities, which was done all over the country, account for the, the crisis, the disaster that is happening right now? So the things that could very much so quickly impact this level of infrastructure disaster in Jackson is the acceptance of federal funds for infrastructure um, by the governor. That has not happened. And so we need to pressure the governor to to accept federal funds, to, to make sure that those funds are not pushed out to his constituents in other counties, but comes to Hines County, particularly earmarked for the infrastructure of Jackson, Mississippi, that um, we can give a complete upheaval. I mean, to, to be clear, these are 150-year-old pipes in the city of Jackson, <laughs> and they need to be totally redone. I mean, they, they need to be repair, beyond repair, but upheaved and given new pipes, given new um, a new infrastructure. Um, that's something that could happen um, that would help, you know, definitely repair and reconstruct the the infrastructure that is that is constantly in crisis. 
And I, I, I think that you've asked the question of, of what are our regular everyday folks doing. And I think that it's worthy to amplify that everyone has expressed an opportunity to have mutual aid, to support one another, and to point towards our resiliency. So folks have definitely done water distributions. There have been folks who have gone to the local HBCU, um, Tougaloo College that, you know, has its own water system and, and has gotten in relationship with the college to get that water and that potable water and take it to the those nursing homes and assisted living homes that need it. So black folk have done everything to take care of black folk, but there is a much needed pressure that needs to happen on the state government to recognize the power of the municipality and to fortify that power by accepting federal funding and making sure that that funding reaches the municipality to overhaul our infrastructure. Governor Tate Reeves um, is using this opportunity to, to take uh, shots at Mayor Chokwe Lumumba um, and, and talk about privatization of the water uh, treatment facility, the entire water treatment facility. Can you talk about uh, the potential for disaster capitalism to take uh, to capitalize on this crisis? Uh, there, there, there's a, a large potential, and I think that um, Tate Reeves has recently stated that all options are on the table. And to be clear, there has been a, a decade-long push to regionalize the water treatment center um, and stripping the municipality of its power, stripping the municipality of the water treatment system. And disaster capitalism and racial capitalism has been pervasive and every entity that is governed or should be governed by the municipality, from our education system, our airport, and now even our water, there has been the level of opportunism of the state to say that the state can do it better. And the state won't serve black people better, um, but it will definitely starve black folks until the the need and the resource for privatization is is apparent and so this is this is a a, a long march this is a, a a long strategy and long game by white supremacy by which they are constantly ill-equipping the black municipality and by constantly ill-equipping the black municipality there is a resource hoard and then once that resources, those resources have been hoarded, then folks need to be governed by the state. They need the resources that the state has, and they will come in and determine all of that on their own and won't satisfy the needs of black people in the black city. There's nothing scarier to the state than the self-determination of black people, right? We've seen that for decades and decades. It's what made the survival programs of the Panther uh, so scary to the state. We saw what happened there. I want to talk a little bit about the radical potential of Jackson, Mississippi, the radical black politics of Jackson, Mississippi, and 
how much of this is, is as I referred to earlier, what some folks call, you know, the Haiti move punishment, right, for the for the people's power, the organizing that happened, the organizing that put Mayor Chokwe Lumumba in office. It, it is no secret that this is a white supremacy's response to the black radical experiment that has been taking place since the Republic of New Africa, since the New African People's Organization, since the onset of real self-determination, and Black-led, Black-centered power. It is a constant response to the political prowess that Black folks possess to determine their own. But although we are facing the, the dogged state, we are not removed from our resiliency and from our power, our everyday power, which allows us to draw contradiction to the states and, you know, really establish our own political alternatives and our own day-to-day alternatives. Because, you know, we could talk about political alternatives in theory all day, but if it ain't, if the rubber don't meet the road for black folk, then it's, then it's no good. And so what has been extremely important is the level uh, and the continuity of black folks taking care of black folks in these crises, making sure that there are, that there is adequate and sufficient water distributions. It doesn't have to be the water distribution of Cooperation Jackson. It can very well be the water distribution of New Hope Baptist Church or the People's Advocacy Institute. But what is clear is that there is need for black folk to be able to take care of black folk um, and to make sure that this water is, is given out it's constantly pushed out, and it's received. There are other alternatives that black folk are also establishing. The idea of water catchment, so we can store and sustain ourselves in these moments of disaster. Because let's be clear, climate disaster is not going to stop today. That's right. This That's is right. this is this is a a, a moment that that constantly allows us to realize that, you know, black folks have to get prepared. You know, there will be more climate disaster. There will be the onset of more disaster capitalism that is trying to control the municipality and and get in front of our power. But we have the opportunity to establish so much more. And this, you know, gives, gives gives a lot of weight to our political imagination, to our imagination of the future, and what we can design. So, you know, not only are we resting at just meeting the need of the moment, um, we have to consider moments of just recovery, and we have to continue to push for moments of just transition, transitioning out of these moments of extractive capitalism, out of disaster capitalism, and facing forward for what we can create for our future. So we imagine that the idea of having water catchment in folks' neighborhoods is a great idea in a moment where 
where folks can, when we can't depend on the city's water, we've already caught enough of our own water to, and, and an adequate filtration process by which we can have drinking water and potable water for ourselves. You segue to where I was going next, you know, in terms of our planet is is in crisis. We, we know we are going to see more and more things like this. Folks keep talking about climate disasters, though it's something in the future, right? But but clearly, as we're seeing in Jackson, Mississippi, and other places in the world, like Pakistan, it's underwater right now. Climate crisis is here, and uh, it will be black folks, brown folks, poor folks who are going to be the front-line recipients of the disasters of, of climate change. It is a, definitely a racial equity, racial disaster issue. Um, you've talked about, you know, readying our people, ensuring our, our people are ready to take care of each other. Can you talk a little bit more about what the organizing looks like to ready people? Because there's, there's a water disaster, but there's also, right, that we've got heat crisis. Um, I don't know how hot it is there uh, during during this crisis. And Jackson is very hot here. Um, there's all sorts of food shortages. What what does the organizing look like? What is Cooperation Jackson's model? to ready people for this this future that that is that is here now yeah well it's always hot and muggy in mississippi um but what <laughs> is 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 hoping to meet the the need and the call of is that there you know will be as you already stated um a future of climate disaster there will be and we are already on the front lines so the organizing has to take an aggressive push that that really ties the knot that that really is a that really points out rather the interconnectedness of our struggles um, it's it, you know we we can we can give a class analysis we can give a racial analysis. We can give a climate analysis. Those things, things can no longer be separate. It must be a racial climate class analysis that must happen. Um, we must point the folks who labor uh, to understand the impact, not of their labor on just their immediate, but their labor on the future, the future of the planet. Um, we must get folks who are organizing for racial justice to understand that that there is a reason black folks are and other people of color are living on the front lines of these extractive industries. Because they one, they want you to go to work for low wages, but then they understand that the impact and the residual that comes from this type of factory is going to impact your your ecology, your your immediate. And so those glaring contradictions are are you know present in this moment. And Cooperation Jackson and other entities have to you know gain further alignment of how do we you know lay this picture out for our people to see, and what are we going to ask them to do. Um, in order to to really continue to organize, aggressively organize, and you know further that into some mobilization and actions, I think that this moment in the state of Mississippi proves that Black folks can one 
rally together with one another. But now we have to move that power to further pressure the state and to let the state know that we understand that all of these things, race, class, climate, like that they are intertwined and we are going to continue to press um, so those are the things that we have to do. We have to to organize, you know, more and more aggressively, and understand that that these things are connected. And and, and it, it, it's sitting with me really heavy this morning that this got this got to be a global thing, right? This got to be connecting oppressed peoples uh, 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 around the globe, particularly through the the, the Black African diaspora. It, it, it definitely must. Um, we, we 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 have to 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 at at speed um, move to to call this this contradiction of working class people across the globe in order to save the planet. Um, you know this is you know it's it's, it's more than just you know um, working class people arguing for benefits and wages. It's working class people doing what we can to say that this is our planet, this is our lot that we've been cast, and we must do what we can to preserve our existence. And so that means calling on this 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 need for struggle globally and further connecting our struggles um, across the African diaspora um, and, and uh, you know, into the spaces of what, what capitalism considers the global south, making sure that these spaces are connected, making sure that these alternatives that folks are making for themselves are seen and that these examples can be modeled across the globe is extremely important. Uh, and then Joshua, Denman, last question, and then we, we've got to uh, let it go there. The call for folks across the country, what can folks do? I'm seeing it all over social media, folks saying, well, how do we support Jackson, Mississippi? So tell us, how do we support Jackson, Mississippi, you know, from California yeah. and other places? Uh, well, well, of, uh, of course, Cooperation Jackson has its its level of donations, um, and, and um, we have our our clearing call for this moment going out. Um, folks can look up our Facebook. They can look up our website um, and, and you know, donate there. But there are also other organizations that are doing good work. Um, and so it's, it's, it's pretty much national news at this, uh, at this moment. So you folks can look up the multitude of ways to, to, to give to Jackson. Um, to make sure that there is water, um, and then to make sure that there is resource um, that moves us from just giving out water distributions, but preparing those alternatives um, that are going to be needed in the in the months and, and years to come. Joshua Dedman is with Cooperation Jackson, and Cooperation Jackson is involved in coordinating emergency water responses for residents who have been without water since August 29th. Joshua Dedman, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about our topics and guests in this episode's show notes. 
Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis. That's D-I-S. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. 